This message comes from NPR sponsor Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Dana-Farber scientists laid the foundation for CDK4-6 inhibitors, new drugs that are increasing the survival rate for many advanced breast cancers. Learn more at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. The acting U.S. ambassador to Ukraine is preparing for two big transitions. First, the embassy is about to return to Kyiv. They evacuated to Poland early in the war. And the other big change? President Biden has nominated a veteran diplomat to fill the post that's been vacant for three years. In the meantime, the acting U.S. ambassador is shuttling back and forth across the Ukraine-Poland border, and she joins us now from the Polish city of Zhezhov. Kristina Kvin, it is good to talk to you again. Hello, Ari. It's great to join you today. You've been a U.S. diplomat in Ukraine for more than two years, and this week you returned for the first time since Russia started its assault in late February. What was it like for you to set foot back in the country? It was amazing to be back. Uh, I had uh, been wanting to go back since we left, and I was thrilled that my security folks told me that the situation was such that, that it was safe to go back. We did a day trip to Lviv. I met with a wide variety of folks, including the mayor, the governor, and also some of the uh, international organizations and NGO implementers of the humanitarian assistance that has been flowing in. So it was a terrific trip, and I look forward to taking more of them soon. Russia was driven back from Kyiv about a month ago in early April. Why return to the embassy now? And when I say now, I'm actually curious when exactly you are planning to return to the embassy, because that's been a little unclear. Well, we hope to return in the next few weeks. Uh, we're doing our final assessments. That would allow us to determine that the security situation is uh, permissive to go back. Uh, even though uh, the Russians did pull back from Kiev, of course. It uh, continues to be uh, hit by missiles. And uh, I would say that the situation is still not 100% safe. So we have been doing careful reviews of the situation to make sure that when we do go back, that we can be as safe as possible. Can you give us an example of something you're looking forward to being able to do from the U.S. Embassy in Kiev that you haven't been able to do remotely from Poland? I think the most important thing is to be able to meet with Ukrainian leaders face to face. Of course, we've continued to talk uh, on the phone, on uh, video conferencing, but it's not the same as sitting down with someone face to face and being able to have an in-person conversation. So I think that's going to be the most valuable thing for me. Uh, is to be able to sit down with my contacts, most of whom I've known a long time. So they're, I, I consider many of them friends, not just contacts, and really have a good conversation and get a sense of where things are. The last time we spoke, you talked about the many people in Ukraine who you're close to. Are they all safe as far as you know? Well, um, unfortunately, very sadly, we lost one of my bodyguards. Uh, he was oh. fighting in the East in the military and he was killed uh, by the Russians. So uh, it, it, it's incredibly um, sad and tragic for the embassy and also obviously for his family. Uh, but he was a hero. I mean, he was fighting in the East for his country when he was killed. And um, so so I would say that the death has touched us even, even in the embassy. Uh, and we don't take for granted. We have many other embassy employees who are fighting. And so we do not take mm. any of that for granted. And we think of them every day and send them our best wishes. Wow. Could you share his name with us? Uh, his name was Volodia. We don't use last names just to, for the privacy of the family, but uh, his name was Volodia. 
Now, President Biden has nominated Bridget Brink to be ambassador and take over for you. She still has to be confirmed by the Senate. But what is your first piece of advice for her going to be after you've filled this job in an acting capacity during such an eventful time of the U.S.-Ukraine relationship? Uh, rest up and get lots of sleep. <laughs> well, you still it's can. It's a very busy job, <laughs> especially these days. Uh, listen, I've known Bridget for over 15 years. She and I worked together in the past. She's fantastic. Uh, she's high energy. She's smart. She knows Ukraine and she knows the whole region. And uh, she'll uh, be a terrific ambassador when confirmed by the Senate. So honestly, I don't have to give her a lot of advice because I think she knows the reason the region so well already uh, that it, she can just step right in and, and be fully effective on the first day. Are you planning to stay at the embassy in Ukraine after she's confirmed? Yeah, actually, you know, it's a three-year assignment. And my three-year assignment is is up this summer. Mm. So I will probably stay just long enough to help her transition and then move on. Now, the last time you and I spoke, I met you in the Polish hotel that's been your base of operations. And, and you noted that although you have a lot of diplomatic experience, you had not served in a war zone before. Uh, it's definitely a different kettle of fish. I mean, there there are uh, things you need to learn and challenges you need to take on that are different than in uh, a country that is at peace. Um, I've learned a lot of military te- uh, terminology that I didn't know before. I've learned a lot about weapons that I didn't know before. Uh, and obviously, I, I would say that all of us on my team here are imbued with the feeling that what we're doing is incredibly important for um, for the health and safety and um, survival of people. And that really motivates us. So whether it's helping to provide more weapons so that the Ukrainians can defend themselves or provide humanitarian support either to those that are inside Ukraine but internally displaced or in need of food, water, and basics, uh, or people who have had to leave Ukraine um, and helping them out outside of the country. All of those things, um, everything we do every day is really focused on on helping people and, and, and uh, supporting them in a very physical way that I think we don't normally do in a normal environment. So it really motivates us and is one of the reasons that we keep going, you know, more than 12 hours a day, I would say, for most of us, because we feel that 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 our our work is really helping people on the ground. When you look at the state of the war at this point, do you see a way for Russia to win? Um, you know, already, frankly, Russia has failed. Russia uh, came into the war thinking that they could quickly overrun Ukraine, that they could perhaps topple the government. Uh, they certainly tried to do that at the beginning, that they could take Kiev uh, and other strategic cities. And for the most part, they failed. Uh, they've ha- been driven back away from Kiev. President Zelensky and his government are still in place, working hard and fully functional. And now uh, Russia has had to rethink what their objectives are, and they are definitely significantly smaller than they set out to be. So um, uh, do I think Russia can win? I think Russia's already lost, certainly if you judge it by what their initial uh, initial objectives were. That doesn't mean, though, that uh, Ukraine doesn't have a hard fight ahead of it and that Russia will stop trying uh, sometime soon. So that's why we continue to send in weapons uh, and other material and supplies to Ukraine to help them continue to fight the fight against Russia and hopefully drive them out of the country completely. That's certainly, I know, what Ukraine's 
um, objective is, and we want to help them in meeting that objective. Christina Kveen is the acting U.S. ambassador to Ukraine. Thank you for speaking with us once again. Thank you, Ari. It was good to see you again. This message is brought to you by NPR sponsor, Lisa, in collaboration with West Elm. Discover the new natural hybrid mattress, expertly crafted from natural latex and certified safe foams, designed with your health and the planet in mind. Visit leesa.com to learn more. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com NPR. What does it mean to be Black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, you'll hear, it means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.